How's it going, guys? Welcome back to Pick Swap Podcast. I am James Brand. I'm here with Sean Bernard, and we are also joined by Scotty Drowned, who is the co-founder of DSM Media. So, Scotty, thank you for coming in. We really appreciate your time, um, and we're going to have a lot of good stuff to get started with today. So, Sean, how are you doing, brother? I'm great. Great to have some six, real Sixers basketball to go off again. Uh, a little bit less Hollywood headlines and a little more actual basketball, so it feels good. Yeah, man. So, Scotty, first of all, how are you? Thank you for coming in. We really appreciate your time. Just spending a little bit of, you know, 20 minutes with us. Nice brief little thing. Uh, how are you doing? How are you feeling about everything? Yeah, man, I, I am good. I'm happy to join you guys on here. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the pod and of the uh, of the show as well. So I'm um, happy to help you guys out in any way possible. And of course, um, you know, I'm a big Philly guy. So with the, the mess that's going on over in the, the yeah. NovaCare complex with the Eagles, uh, I am ready to take my attention off of that and uh, get, you know, get to digging into the Sixers and, and get ready for this 76ers season. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, we're right in the same boat with you. We're one preseason game in and it's been one heck of a ride so far. Just getting through that first getting to this game and then getting through this first game has been like somehow it has felt like months and more so dealing with all the questions and everything that's going on. So to stay away from all of the drama thus far. Let's just talk about the game uh, and what you guys saw from the game. So, Scotty, was what was your biggest takeaway from preseason game one? Yeah, so I'm, you, you try to take everything with a grain of salt, especially this early. Um, I didn't want to, you know, invest too much into what happened. But the biggest thing that I could come up with was Andre Drummond's performance. Um, you know, just a, a dominating presence in reality with 19 points, 14 rebounds. Just to show that, you know, he can be potentially significantly better than Dwight Howard was in that backup center role. And that's going to be huge because down the stretch, we were relying on Dwight Howard a lot in the in the postseason in situations where you just simply shouldn't be relying on Dwight Howard. You shouldn't have to. And um, the main thing from Andre Drummond is or, or any backup center aside from Dwight Howard is the idiotic technical fouls, the dumb fouls. Um, but then also Andre Drummond brings a different, you know, a different style to the offensive end. Um, and when he's aggressive, he can be very good at it, you know, getting in the pain, getting rebounds, doing whatever he wants down there. He's a huge guy. Um, so as far as like how I felt initially coming in uh, with Andre Drummond, he's been, you know, hopping around teams lately. I wasn't the biggest fan of him. Um, but after watching that strong performance, obviously it's preseason. It is very reassuring in the move, and uh, all we're asking him to do is be a backup center to the maybe the best center in the NBA, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I still have some concerns, and we'll see how it develops with it. Just as far as the him staying in his role and just being what we need him to be. But yeah. from a talent perspective, there should be no doubt that Andre Drummond's significantly better than Dwight Howard, and uh, just an upgrade. The it really was fun to watch just the way he was attacking the boards and he just looked like a man amongst boys out there. So that was cool to see. And obviously never a bad thing for a guy to be looking that good. So uh, my biggest takeaway, I'm going to go a little different direction. I just want to prescribe a chill pill that will be needed to take it in the future for Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. And just, there's going to be some growing pains with this guy. He's 20 years old. It's so normal. It's completely fine. And I still have all the belief that he will get there. But there's going to be some time for him to develop into the true point guard that the Sixers are trying trying to make him and form him into. And it's just not going to be a day one takeover thing, which is 100% okay, but we just got to bear with it. 
Yeah, it's it was kind of insane to see how many people were like upset about the way that Tyrese Maxey played yeah. in you know one half of preseason basketball in Toronto. Like, I I'm very much in the camp of I don't put any stock into these games really at all. Um, if I have to stream a game through a Toronto <laughs> commercial station, like I I don't care about it. You know what I mean? It's just not yeah. that big of a deal to me. Um, I like both of your points though. I was kind of going in, in that exact direction with Maxey and Drummond, like. Maxi is just going to have to learn the lay of the land as a point guard in the NBA. He, even when he was coming into the games last year, it wasn't like the team wasn't relying on him entirely other than like the Denver game where they had seven players and like, it was just kind of a pickup game. So Maxi doesn't concern me that much. He's going to have the, like you said, Sean, just going to have those days and games where it's not as fluid as it should be. And Drummond being the guy that he is like, I'm very curious to see how he fits just with that, like strictly the second unit. Cause I feel like they'll have a very good chemistry and build a good rapport with each other. And that's like where Dwight Howard really flourished when he played well last year was with Maxi and shake and, and Ferk and those guys. So to move a little bit forward, Sean and I were joking before we started recording about doc rivers quote saying um, that he thinks Isaiah Joe should see the floor more often. And it's like, dude, you're the one making those decisions. <laughs> Nobody else but you is in charge of that, really. And he, so just to uh, throw it back to you, Scotty, like Isaiah Joe is going to be fighting for minutes. And it seems like he's more in the mix than some people realize. How do you feel about him just as a player, but also in this rotation? Yeah, so I'm I'm actually glad you brought it up because that was one of my points uh, that I also took away from the preseason game, aside from the maxi point. Um, you know, Isaiah Joe, if he's bringing this perimeter threat, this shooting ability from we're talking further than three point range, right? He was pulling up a couple, a couple inches behind there, a couple feet almost, um, behind that three point line. And that's going to be huge for the Sixers. It always has been shooting spacing. Um, and he's a guy that can handle the ball as well. He can make plays. Um, that's, that's kind of what, you know, throughout the summer league and throughout, you know, even that preseason game there is just his ability to pass as well, pass off the dribble. Um, he, he can be a playmaker in the offense as well. The main thing is just getting his experience, getting Doc's trust. I know Doc said that, but we all know that Doc is the guy that does not like to play young players like that, um, especially unproven. But um, you're talking about a sh his shooting ability. We absolutely need that in Philly. We absolutely need that on the floor with Joel Embiid. Um, and then the other thing that I would point to is an aggressive Seth Curry, who's another guy with range. We saw where he was pulling up there. Seems like he kind of continued his path from the playoffs last year. We just we need these guys to take the shots that are open. And that was kind of the problem last year, which is another positive you can point to with Isaiah Joe. He's not afraid to take the shots. Right. Yeah, um, a lot of, you know, down the stretch last season, it was just a lot of pump fakes on open shots that you should just be pulling those up. Seth, Danny, we should just be pulling those up like. You guys are going to get a lot of three-point shots in this offense. That's the way it's, it should be based around Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris in the post. Um, so that's, you, you know, I, I think Isaiah Joe, he does have a lot of competition in those guard spots. We'll see how the Ben Simmons thing plays out as far as who we have to get rid of. You know, we'll get into that later. But um, he definitely should be in, in the competition for minutes. I, I don't see why he wouldn't. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's interesting to me, since Maxi's been here, there's been such like a, a pull for Maxi to get more minutes. And even B-Ball Paul, like there's been just the, the fans yeah. behind him and the rooting for him. And it feels like Isaiah Joe's been a little bit of like the, uh, the under-the-radar piece that's been developing. And he certainly has added layers to his game and the way he's handling the ball and passing were stuff that just simply wasn't the case in college. 
and yeah. that like we didn't see early on. So it's cool to see him getting better. He's a guy that we at least need to find out exactly what he is and exactly what he can be. And that's worth experimenting with, worth giving him minutes just to find because, frankly, the range that he shows and the flashes that he has, there's so much there and so much to be excited yeah. about. And he totally gets it with just like a 3 and D role for the time being. Hit All his responses seem to be perfect on like what his role on the team is, what he needs to do and what he needs to improve on. So I love where his mind seems to be at. And he's a guy that I think will really compete and could even – be beating out Furcon by the end of the year. Oh yeah, I like he. Cool. I, I'm I'm a huge Furcon guy, so I don't know how much I love that. But <laughs> I, like the thing is with Isaiah Joe, and something that keeps me like intrigued by him is just how on. And I mean, this I think this stays true with the three of these young guys, whether it be Joe, Maxi, or uh, B-Ball Paul. Like so unafraid, yeah. just so willing to yeah. do what they have to do at any given time. Like he looks so comfortable pulling up from 35 feet, and it's just something you like. Other guys change their trajectory of their shots or they look like they're throwing it a little bit. Nothing changes in his shot. He just looks like he's very comfortable anywhere on the floor. And like thinking about his matchup, your uh, connection with Joel Embiid in that little pairing, like there's a difference between 28 feet and 35 feet. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you catch it at 28 feet and you can still score three points, but if you can catch it at 35 and be a threat from there, and have to pull wings and guards out that far, cool. that changes the way that your big gets to play. And with a guy as dominant as Joel, you know, you're going to have to double, you're going to have to change your defense. So that's the intriguing part to me is that I don't think there's many, maybe Seth Curry matches like fits that narrative as well, like you said, but there's not a lot of other guys on this team that are comfortably pulling right, from right. steps, feet from behind the line. So that's where I really like Joe and what he could potentially bring. Um, in just in that rotation, just being a part, maybe a guy that can fit in with Joel or these guys. Um, but to address the real elephant in the room and something I'm, I'm sure just as you, like just as us, very sick of talking and hearing and dealing with these questions. Um, ben Simmons and his camp apparently are surprised by the fact that they're getting fined, uh, surprised by the fact that they won't get that money back. He sells his apartment. Um where where are you right now just with all of this like is this the tipping point for you is this have you been over it like what just where do you see this happen like going from here where's the next step yeah um to answer to answer your question frankly yes I, i'm i'm done with ben simmons um in philadelphia completely you know once he turned his back on the city and it started happening about halfway through the summer you start just hearing all of these rumors that are circling and then eventually they start to get confirmed, right? And uh, once I heard them start to get confirmed, that's when I was like, okay, this guy really, really has gotten lost in translation. Like he's he's gotten lost at some point during this this tenure with Philadelphia. And um, you know, towards so in retrospect, going back to the end of the postseason, I could sit there. I was I was very upset with Ben. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I I think every Sixers fan was upset with Ben. Um, but I was also able to acknowledge that, you know, Doc Rivers played a part in this. Tobias Harris played a part in this. Even Joel Embiid, the MVP candidate, played a part in losing. Um, so I, it's not like I was trying to address Ben unfairly. But we got to look in the mirror at some point and stop making excuses and, and putting everything on everybody else. And, you know, that's kind of what these rumors have continued to do. He's just looking to place accountability everywhere but himself. And at the end of the day, regardless of what your coach is doing, regardless of what your coach is telling you, um, if you love basketball, if you are a hooper, 
There's no way you're passing up not close to nine million dollars or you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines just to go pick up a basketball, like just to go play basketball, which you're supposed to be in love with, and that's that's kind of where the door closes for me, and I feel like that's where it closes for a lot of GMs. You know, if I'm a GM, if I'm a coach, if I'm a, a player on another team, I don't want this guy next to me. Like if he's willing to turn down this amount of money just to play basketball. And, you know, I've heard the rumors about it's because he doesn't want to be in front of Philadelphia fans. I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> We're not just going to disappear after you leave Philadelphia either. You're just never going to play in Philadelphia again. Like I, I don't, I don't get that either. Um, but it's, it's part of the the whole thing with Ben Simmons and being afraid of the big moments, right? Being afraid of having to come back into Philadelphia and raise your value so you can get traded. Like in, we can even stem back to that that rumor that came out where he's saying that it's not his responsibility to increase his trade value. Then whose is it? It's based on. I promise you, these GMs, these coaches are not looking at what Joel Embiid said after the game. They're not looking at you know what Philadelphia fans are saying on the internet and then giving Ben Simmons a grade on how he plays. They watch the tape. They watch Ben Simmons play. And they go from there with their evaluation. Everything else is just noise. So all the finger pointing from Ben Simmons and his camp, Rich Paul, it's one, it's it's obviously created a mess in Philadelphia, but it's creating a mess in the NBA. And maybe that's something we can digress into here a little bit further, but this is not good for the NBA at all, period. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, it's something I wouldn't be surprised if the league starts to get involved on if this continues to drag on. And frankly, this is the this week, I would say, is the first time I felt like that there's been any sort of change in kind of the game of chicken between Maury and Rich Paul's camp. And you're starting to hear the whispers of like the concern of like, oh, I'm not getting that money back. And oh, like I'm really getting fined all this, which credit to Maury for sticking it out and not just rolling over. And honestly, I feel like the tide has turned to where pretty much everybody can see that Simmons is the guy looking bad in this situation, which is as, as it should be at this point in time. And uh, for me, it's pretty simple. I mean, obviously, it's spelled out in the CBA, but it's pretty simple that if you don't show up to work, you don't get paid uh, in my mind. So Maury certainly should not be waiving that for a guy that just doesn't want to do his job. And uh, I think it's it's tough. It's such a tough situation because I think everybody is done with Simmons. I think Maury is done with Simmons. I think everybody. But you also just can't take take the L on a trade here and just something yeah. that isn't of value. So if things aren't there, I wouldn't be surprised if this continues to drag on. And honestly, at this point, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past like the eventual ending of this is Simmons showing up to camp at some point, which I didn't think was in the realm of possibility until this week. Yeah, it was very surprising to see that they were unaware. Like I like the first yeah. day of media, like the media day and, and Maury saying like it's very clearly spelled out in the CBA and, and his contract. What will happen if he doesn't show up? And it kind of felt like an empty threat at the time. But he really meant that like he truly meant. Like he's going to get screwed over. He knows that to some level um, and made the conscious decision to not show up. And for someone that was so deeply rooted in my fandom for Ben Simmons, it, this has been very, very difficult on like my my personal mental well-being. Um, it's taken a lot of, you know, it, maybe it's the personal growth. Maybe it was him saying, like, I need to work on myself and I shouldn't get so invested in a player like him. But yeah, he really has turned heel in terms of the type of player that he is, who he is as a person. And it's been very disappointing just to know that like 
I I think there are there's definitely some some like extracurriculars that have gone on. There's some relationships that have been strained for sure. Uh, but there really at this point is no excuse for the behavior that's been uh, shown and given by Ben Simmons and his camp. Like it's just so disgusting to know that a, a Philadelphia athlete did this to us the way that he's done this to us because it's just never been this bad. It feels yeah. like a, it feels like a knife in the bag. That's it that's, really does. It, feels it really like. does. Because we sit here and I'm sure you guys are in the same sense. We sat here and defended this guy for what five years now and we, we have to hear from other fan bases how he doesn't score how he doesn't score we sit here and we point to everything else that he's great at and it's kind of the conundrum i'm in now is you know when i'm talking with other fan bases about what a trade package looks like it's like there there's people saying that they wouldn't trade Keldon johnson for ben simmons like that is ridiculous but how can i say that when i you know am going back to our playoff loss to the hawks and this guy puts up five points Mm -hmm. So it's like every rumor, everything that, you know, all the outside people try to tell you about Ben Simmons came true. You even had, you know, Joel Embiid confirm the J Jimmy Butler thing. So yeah. it's like all of these factors coming in and it's just like stabbing me in, in the heart and in my back. I, I got the guy on my wall right here. Like literally on my phone case. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a Ben Simmons fan. So it is hard for me to just like totally look away from his potential from you know his great moments that he had in Philly, but I have to. Yeah, and it's crazy, James. You talked a little bit about the behind-the-scenes stuff. So when we think back, there are obviously the comments by Doc Rivers after the Game 7, which, once again, were not that crazy of him just not not being sure. And he also like kind of took back on those comments and talked about how he was just trying to shift the conversation off Ben, which maybe is fair, maybe it's not. Other than that, there was the Harden trade, which at this point is pretty confirmed all around that uh, – Pretty much everybody had signed off on sending Ben to Houston for Harden. And then beyond that, like, there really hasn't been anything that he can be that upset about. Like, all these things are such just, like, business of the NBA casual things that, like, sure, it doesn't feel great to be in those spots. But there's nothing that is, like, worth throwing this tantrum for or that, like, in my mind backs that up or makes this reasonable. So that's so frustrating to me. And then specifically the Embiid comments, like, Joel Embiid has every right to be as mad as he wants to be at Ben Simmons or as frustrated. And he talked about how disappointed he was. Uh, he talked about the, the adaptations that were made for Ben, which I thought was very relevant. And yeah. it also, the part that sucks is when, when you think about it and you also get the Simmons camp, the team not being built around Simmons, a team being built around Ben Simmons and the team being built around Joel Embiid just are not that different. Like they're just so similar in what they should be that it's so messy to me that we couldn't find a way to clean that up. And just like, I get they're not the perfect match, those two, like, together, but just this should have been something we could have made work. And I still think it could have been if this wasn't – we weren't at this point. Yeah. I mean, you, Sean, you specifically know how I feel about it. And, like, I was – I've been a Ben, like – I even trajected up somehow uh, in my Ben fandom over the last, like, two years or so. And I got so used to, like, that defend – mechanism of being like well here's what he does do and here's this this and this so i don't even know like at this point i kind of even like just avoid like all my friends come out to me, oh what's gonna happen you know what how do you feel and i'm like first of all i'm pissed but that's like baseline like that's it i don't even have anything else to say but scotty to send this back to you uh from what sean said like how do you feel with joel and first of all i think we've all things that he uh has handled it really well just uh, the media day and everything that's going on how do you feel about the way he's handled it and just like 
do you feel he's in the right of just feeling like slighted by Ben in this camp and this whole like rigmarole that's happened so far? Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's completely in the right um, in the way he feels. Everything that he said, I thought was spot on. Um, yes, he didn't have to say all of that, but neither did Ben Simmons about everything that he's released to the media. And he's had every opportunity to come out and talk to the media and say that those things aren't true. He has not done one bit or one attempt at it. And um, what you're ultimately saying when you want to leave the Sixers is you want to leave Joel Embiid. He is the face of the Sixers. And rightfully so. And throughout this whole situation, you know, the feud between Ben and the Sixers, you just see Joel Embiid blossoming. And he's been doing it over the last couple of years into the role model of what a Philadelphia athlete, a star athlete in Philadelphia works like. Right. He, he gets in the gym. He becomes an MVP candidate. He calls people out. He shows leadership on the court. That's where the accountability thing comes in. But that's that's a side note. Um, but he, he's turned into a leader. He's turned into an advocate for Philadelphia. He understands the fans, what the fans want. And um, I, I think he's handled this situation about as good as he can. Um, and he he probably has ticked off himself when Ben Simmons lived and he said it. Ben Simmons is saying this team wasn't built around him, but we removed a significant ball handler in Jimmy Butler, somebody that we would all agree is better than Ben Simmons for this team at this point. And we removed him just to keep you happy, Ben. And now a year, not even a year after you sign your extension, you're demanding a trade out. You're not coming to practice. You're not coming to training camp. And, um, yeah, it, it feels like it's stabbing in the back. I said it for me. Imagine how Joel Embiid feels after he's stood up for him in public. Imagine how Danny Green feels when he stood up to the fans for him at the end of the season last year. And then, you know, even down the line to Matisse Thibel, um, all of these guys are showing like exactly what Ben could show to win Philadelphia fans over, even with the way he's performed. Um, you see Matisse Thibel in the JJ Reddick podcast, right? Which is a, a great podcast as well. Um, he, he he shows accountability. He says that that entire loss in, in game seven was on him due to his foul. And he totally shifts it away from Ben Simmons, almost in a defending Ben mechanism. And uh, just to hear the report of the guys were getting ready to fly out there just to talk. And he says, no, that, that is wild to me, man. And, um, you know, the, these are guys that you would think that would be considered his brothers. They, they're with him every day of, this, of the season. They hoop together. But now it's just got me thinking that this guy is just kind of a weirdo. Um, it, he, he might not get along with me. I, I don't know what, what it is, but um, for him to just turn his back on not only Joel Embiid, but the team, Joel Embiid has every right to stand up and say, and, and basically stand up for everybody on that team. Bring it all back to Philly, make it about who's on the roster right now, and leave that guy in L.A. where he, he obviously wants to be. That's, that's what's crazy about it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said there. I'm so happy that Joel Embiid is the face of this franchise and just the way he's developed into the person and player that he's been everything we could have hoped for and more. And just it's so cool to see the added maturity that we've seen over the past couple of years and just how he handles things and the way he speaks, takes things on the chest. It's just it's awesome. And it's, it's been a, like a joy to just watch that all develop. So that's been cool. Uh, not that I'm defending Ben in any way, but like, 
to throw a little bit on Doc Rivers in a way is the stubbornness to continue to only play Simmons and Embiid together is something that I had an issue with last year and like I think is coming back to show face now with just when you think about the way he paired them with subs and it was always kind of so unit based with that like Ben's camp may be a little happier or maybe there's just the realization that he simply could not be the guy if that, there was a chance to show it. And maybe that is something to Doc's credit that could have been the case that he simply can't be a number one option on the court. But if he did have a chance to just be that number one option, run his fast pace on tempo offense, something that works for him, that's something that would have been interesting and something that maybe could have changed at least some of this. Yeah. It's it's hard to even like put a pin on it now. What could or yeah. should have been changed <laughs> along the way, and I mean, it just makes me think like when when did this happen? And I know that there was like the initial uh, private request out like almost immediately following Game Seven and whatever. And but like I feel like that decision internally between him and his camp had to have been made at some point throughout last year, but I think it's kind of beside the point and we got to look forward here uh, to what is on the plate. Sixers play tomorrow. Not again, preseason, not that big of a deal, but before we let you go, Scotty, we want to talk about just ask you, you know, predictions for, you know, when, if Ben is traded, where do you see the Sixers ending up uh, by the end of the year? Standings wise, maybe record wise, just the range. How do you feel they'll, they'll fare for the rest of the season with or without Ben? Um, yeah, so so great question. So as far as the Sixers and, you know, just in general, so I'll give you kind of my prediction. If, you know, for whatever reason, Ben is not moved before the trade deadline, if he's a sunken loss this season and we just have to play with the team that we have, um, I still believe this team can be five, four seed around that area. Um, I do believe by the end of the season, they could obtain a four or a five seed. Four might be a little high for this roster. Um, the East has gotten significantly better, I would say. Um, they've they've kind of stacked up their talent in the top uh, level of the of the Eastern Conference, and um, it's going to make it a lot harder. You got teams like Atlanta that are going to make themselves felt. Um, there's a lot of people that believe in the Chicago Bulls. I'm not really on that train, but I get the thought process. Um, you got the Celtics coming back healthy, so that that all plays a factor into it. But I still could I, I still see this team as a four or five seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, you guys talked a little bit about Tyrese Maxey earlier. I'm really high on Tyrese Maxey, which I'm, I'm sure you guys both are, but you want to take everything with a grain of salt. You don't want to get too up or too down on this guy because, as you guys said, growing pains. And there's going to be growing pains for guys like Maxey who get an increased role in the in the rotation. Matisse Stiebel should get an increased role in the rotation, especially with Ben Simmons out for defensive purposes. You're going to see growing pains with him on the offensive end, right? Um and then just the whole fit of the team, you're going to see growing pains throughout. You're going to see other guys try to account for what Ben Simmons did as far as facilitation and offense. Guys are going to have to make up for that defensive presence. That is a huge factor. Um, but, you know, as far as their their ceiling, I would probably I'd probably put them at the four seed under the heat uh, bucks and nets as a cap, a ceiling if they get nothing in return for Ben. Um, if they are able to get Ben off before the trade deadline, which to answer your second question, I do think we will get it done by the trade deadline. Um, I think as injuries go down, which they do every single season, you'll see one of these small market teams really amp up their offer for him. And I think, you know, as far as predicting where he could get traded to, 
it's not going to be to a contender like he wants. Or I, I don't even know if after some of the quotes, I don't even think that that's what he wants at this point. But what's best for Ben is going to be a small market team like Sacramento, Minnesota, Cleveland, San Antonio, Indiana, these teams that will never really attract a free agent to them. You know, they can get a, su a superstar, all-star player um, in a trade here. They can bring him in. He's locked up for four years. He gets the whole team built around him like he wants. And uh, ultimately, I think one of those teams will step in once the season gets going and ramp up their offer. We've already seen rumors of Indiana doing so, um, which, by the way, if they were to offer Levert and Brogdon, I, I see people saying that's not enough. For me, them and picks is enough for me to, to go ahead and send Ben to Indiana, and I, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but, yeah, I, I see that getting done by trade deadline, which I don't know if that's good or bad for the Sixers if they start to get in a groove by trade deadline and then you bring in some new pieces that could mess up chemistry. Um, but I do think that Ben is completely done in Philly. I don't think there's a way after what's came out that he can show his face in Wells Fargo Center unless it's in another jersey. Um and then if they are able to get a nice return for Ben Simmons, I would cap them at the ceiling of about the three, anywhere from the three to five as well. Um, but three being a, the the ceiling of a team, uh, depending on what you get back for Ben. Yeah, well said. I mean, uh, I, I definitely think we're several weeks or maybe even months before there's a full conclusion to this, which yeah. I also don't hate the aspect of, of just getting a better feel for this team and what the missing component is seeing what Maxi is seeing what Bible Isaiah Joe, what these guys have and what the team is missing. So I do think there's advantages to letting it drag out from a roster construction standpoint. Uh, I, I totally agree that some team will step up and pay the market price once it, once the, it comes down to it. And I can't fully judge where I think this six year team is going to be at until kind of that final piece is made. Cause really whatever the trade return is fully is pretty much, impacts wherever this team can top out at but they're always going to be a playoff team as long as Joel Embiid is on the team they're still going to be a winning record competitive team and then as long as you got a ticket to the dance you never know what happens so I'm still hopeful and optimistic for this season and we'll see what happens yeah there's there's a lot of open-ended questions a lot of things that are you know to be continued to be determined um and just really it's it honestly and as like part of all of us being part of this and trying to cover it and trying to have some sort of answer for somebody like it's difficult when in a situation like this there really is no answer it's the first yep. time in a long time i've had no real inclination of what's going to happen um yep. even when i'm wrong at least i still thought i knew <laughs> i i don't i don't know exactly. so it, it is very difficult uh to deal with so uh, we we are gonna let you go, Scotty. But we want to just before you leave, if you have anything to plug, um, you're at Scotty Drowned. You have DS. What is it? What's the app for the DSM Media? Uh, DSM Media. So at DSM underscore Media. Um, yeah, you you guys hit it on the head. Um, just make sure to follow the DSM account. That's what means the most to me. Um, subscribe to DSM on any major platform um streamers and then of course we will get the youtube channel figured out so uh we'll, we'll definitely have that plugged in but um for me scotty talks nba show every monday um anywhere from 6 p.m to 7 p.m eastern standard time we usually go live um i get a lot of guests on there and then turf talk on thursdays and sundays cover the entire uh nfl we get into a lot of eagles talk as well but um thank you both for having me i i definitely I uh, love chatting with you guys and you guys are always welcome to come join me on DSM at any time you want to join a show. Just hit me up, um, but we'll definitely collab again soon, guys. 
Yeah, appreciate absolutely. It, we will definitely take you up on that. I'll, and I'll look forward to that. So we appreciate it, Scotty. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. So we are back uh, following up after our conversation with Scotty John, who was a great guest, by the way. Very, yeah, very enjoyable. Um, we're just going to dive into a few things briefly to touch on some things that we didn't get to touch on with Scotty. So some takeaways from preseason game number one. Uh, we talked briefly about Maxi and Drummond and a little bit of Isaiah Joe. So if you want to talk about Seth Curry a little bit, what you took away um, from his showing in game one. Uh, love the aggressiveness. Love he seems to have shaken off a little bit of like his only shooting open looks and only like the perfect shot to where he's willing to let it fly a lot more, which is absolutely what the team needs. He's well capable of, a, of it. Statistically, he's like an all-time great shooter from deep, and I just would love for him to show that off more. And the more he lets it fly, the better. So I was super happy with what I saw from Curry, and uh, he definitely seems to be building off that the playoff run. Yeah, man, that that three he took um, on the inbound, the little yeah. just curl around and just I mean, that's what you need from him, really. I feel like um, we talked about it with uh, you know, talking about Isaiah Joe and his ability to space the floor, not just to the three point line, but like well past it. Curry has that ability, too. And I, it's hard to tell exactly what uh, was the case and why he didn't just chuck last year. But like, I think he should have the ultimate green light. Like He's a guy that basically anytime he shoots it, I kind of expect it to go in because of how good he is has always been as a shooter. So yeah, I, I really like Curry um, for a lot of reasons. I'm scared that Furkan and him both like end up dribbling five feet inside the three point line and then shooting like a mid range jumper. Sometimes I'm like, still don't yeah. need you to do that at all. Like that doesn't do anything for me. Even if it goes in, I don't really care. Um, I'd rather you just shoot the three and see what happens. So, I mean, Curry is just going to be very solid and it, it would be, I mean, with, you know, some offensive slack to be picked up, Curry is definitely a guy I could see taking a, a little bit of a step forward in that direction. So it, it's it'll be definitely nice to see from him, I think. So to move into your guy, B-Ball Paul, and he's been in a little bit like he's been interesting throughout this uh, preseason so far. And just everything he talks about, he's just so like funny, unintentionally, mm-hmm. a little bit awkward. Uh, but what did you take away from his game? Yeah, I mean, he ended four points, 10 rebounds, uh, seven on the offensive board, uh, three steals, two blocks, just like a very unique, weird stat line. Yep. I, it wasn't like a, a terrific game from him. There were a couple – he forced one down in the post where he had like three guys on him, still went up with the shot, didn't get anything off. There, it wasn't perfect. But to me, it's just there's there's something there with it. There's something there that can be so useful moving forward and that I really believe can be an effective player on this team. Somewhere in like the – Pascal Siakam, Carl Anthony Towns kind of vicinity of player. And just like there's something worth once again sitting through the growing pains. And it's it's frustrating to have to do this when we're in like the win now mode and in Embiid's championship window. But this is a guy that I do believe can develop to, into like a, a a player that can help on a, a championship caliber team. So for, for me, I just want him to get minutes and continue to grow and just like I want to see what B-Ball Paul can become. And I think there's something there. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that I feel like also is just like worth waiting for. Yeah. Um, at this point, he's he's someone that is just so intriguing as a player. And we talk a lot about like unique skill sets and who does what really well. And and there's some guys that just like have the intangible ability of he has a knack for getting to loose balls. He has a knack for getting to rebounds. He's just all over the place. And like once that energy and ability is controlled into 
like a basketball player instead of just like a raw athlete that's playing basketball, there's a lot of room for him to grow in that sense as well. And he's already an impactful player to some degree without having that refined basketball sense yet. So I think I agree with you. There's definitely something there um, for him to build off of and for them, for him to have as high of praise from higher up guys and whether it be the front office or, or other players like DG or Joel saying, you know, very good things about B-ball Paul and those guys. It's, it's definitely encouraging. And I kind of mentioned it before, like just very unafraid. These guys like these, this crop of younger players is just so willing to do whatever it takes at any given time, which is such a refreshing feeling from these young guys. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, transition transition to the next guy, Andre Drummond. Uh, Andre Drummond looked like the best player on the Sixers in game one. And uh, that's a statement I hope I never say for the rest of my life. So, <laughs> it was cool to see him like do his thing out there, be effective. We're definitely going to be – we've been through the Dwight Howard experience now. The Andre Drummond experience is going to be a whole different one with – like there was so much of him out on the perimeter handling the ball and playing passes and just like he definitely looked great and like you can tell that like talent wise he's significantly an upgrade over Dwight Howard but just like there's going to be some doing too much Andre Drummond moments to share and I unfortunately believe that yeah I was gonna say we saw like at least two or three of them like he tried to do this like wrap around like underhand pass and it got picked and then he like there's sometimes like if he catches it outside the three point line, I don't want him to look towards the rim at all. Not even because I'm afraid to, for him to shoot, but like he shouldn't even attack from there. And he should never dribble. He should never ever dribble. <laughs> and and I don't think he gets that rule at all. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know either. And I for whatever reason the the highlight of him like I don't know if you've seen it. Like he hits a little in and out. And when he was in with the Pistons, he hit like a little at like half court. He hit like an in yeah. and out move yeah. and like a behind the back. Yeah. And like I, that sticks in my mind so specifically because I'm like, I feel like that's what he envisions every play for himself. He's like, I'm a big guard. I do all <laughs> yeah. this stuff. He mentioned in his interview with Lauren Rosen that he expects to pl- like share the floor with Embiid, like play at the same time. No. And I'm like, if that ever happens, like we no. should call, like that's we should call the police. Like <laughs> we should be we should be contacting the authorities. That can't happen, right? Yeah. I, I certainly hope not. And I wish I was more confident in saying that it never will happen because <laughs> I, I just I just don't know at this point. But if Drummond, if we can box Andre Drummond into the role of you're here to get rebounds, score putbacks, be a very good backup center, and that's it, I will totally love him this year. I'm very concerned that he's going to be sneaking outside that box way too often. <laughs> yeah, and I mean – if we can keep him contained in that role for like 95% of the time, I can deal with like the, the funny, like 5%, like the shacked in a fool, like yeah. 5% of whatever happens. And like, obviously in a preseason game, I don't care, but like, I am, I am fairly concerned about like, not only that he played really well and is like definitely going to be playing all the time. Um, but just like, I don't know what Doc has in store for him. Like, what is he like? He's mentioned multiple times oh, yeah. like, how much he loves Andre Drummond. And it's like, you got to chill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I felt the same way. You, like, Media Day, when he's talking about how excited he is for Andre Drummond, I'm just like, oh my God. Like, the, and, and to be fair to Drummond, he did look very good in the preseason game. Like, he looked fit. He looked in shape. He looked huge. He looked massive out there. He was yeah. looking like a grown man amongst there. So, he did look like impressive, but 
just concerningly impressive. Yeah, uh, it's it'll be definitely a trip. It'll definitely be an interesting um, road to see where they end up using him. Um, also, just like I don't think Niang's big enough to play five, like when MB doesn't play. So like that bodes well for B-Ball Paul um, getting minutes this year. If that's what something we are in, we are definitely interested in. Is something the Sixers are interested in as well. Um, but before we spend too much time dealing with Andre Drummond and and whatever he might do, there's another little thing that you mentioned that you wanted to talk about before uh, we wrap all this up, and it's this weird like little thing that's happening about Kyrie Irving. Um, yeah. as of right now, he is ineligible to play in at least 41 games this year. Uh, it'll probably end up being more than that, uh, with the vaccine mandate and he's not currently vaccinated. So I guess with that aside, just tell me what you've been seeing or hearing. So uh, first off, I think this is still, uh, not, I wouldn't even call it a pipe dream cause I won't, won't, don't want to get that far excited about it, but I, I don't think it's a, a likely outcome of a Kyrie for Ben Simmons swap. But I definitely think there's some behind-the-scenes frustrations with the Nets just as far as, like, I mean, the, realistically, it is tough to have a guy on your team that can't play in half the games. And Kyrie's always been a weird guy with not being able to show up or having issues off the court or things where he's just simply not available. And uh, the, Kevin Durant, first off, has actively spoke out that he doesn't want this to happen and he wants Kyrie still on the team. So if that belief is that strong, then there won't be any traction in this. But there is a part of me that's starting to just get excited about maybe I take Ben Simmons for an unvaccinated Kyrie Irving and maybe I take what what comes with it. And just if you take everything aside, if, if you take away any vaccines, any COVID, any anything that happened the past couple of years and you just think about Kyrie and Joel Embiid together, like I do think that's championship caliber duo. And you think about like Kyrie, like as much as comes with him with the baggage, he's a phenomenal basketball player. And even last year where there was so much drama, like, Average 26.9 points, shot 40% from three. He had he looked terrific and he is so good. And th- this would be significantly like the best kind of score that Embiid has ever been, uh, the best perimeter creator Embiid's ever come close to playing with. So there's a part of me that is kind of like talking myself into it, but it, it certainly just is kind of would be an exchange of headaches. Yeah, that's a good way to put it an exchange of headaches. Um, yeah, I mean, I've never been like a huge, I've never been like a huge fan of Kyrie per se. Uh, I guess early on when he was in Cleveland, I, I, I was a, I, you're attracted to that play style just naturally. He's so fun, crafty yeah, and fun smooth and fun, but let, like being completely objective, my God, he is so good. Like he is one of the like most unique, fun, special ball handlers that's ever touched a basketball. Like let's, let's be straightforward here. Like he's a top five, probably top three, maybe top two, maybe number one ball handler of all time one of the best finishers at, from the guard position ever like he is in those conversations he's won a championship obviously he was with lebron so you know take that as you might but yeah uh, on paper objectively a uh, ben simmons or kyrie irving swap is not only like very good it's just like a no-brainer like you just you yeah. have to do that and I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that they should or that they could because I don't really think that's going to happen. I think that the whole point of the Nets team was like for Kyrie and Kevin Durant to play together and for James mm-hmm. Harden eventually getting there as well. Um, but yeah, seriously, if, if that's on the table, uh, I don't know though. Like, I, I mean, unvaccinated Kyrie Irving, 
imagine they're playing in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Nets in Brooklyn. Like that means he's out for four. Like they're not going to unmandate a vaccine. Right. They're not going to. So unless yeah. he decides to get it at some point, he's just not going to play. I mean, there's definitely like some ramifications that come with this. Like you're, you know, what you're signing up for if you make this deal. With as far as like, he's just not going to be around as much as you would hope an NBA player is. And it, again, I can't believe like I'm talking myself into this because. I am not a Kyrie guy in general. He's so fun to watch, and as a basketball player, I love him. But just all the drama that surrounds him has always been something that has bothered me. So, but that being said, if he comes to the Sixers, I for sure would clean slate it, welcome him, and see what happens. Yeah. Definitely doesn't strike me as a guy that would love Philly either. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. He would have a lot of significant problems with the way that this city works to a lot of degrees. So, again, I I don't think either of us really expect that to happen. But if you know, on paper, that makes like way too much sense for the Sixers to ever turn that down. Um, that being said, we're going to wrap it up here. We, you can follow Sean at Sean underscore Bernard one. Follow me at JS Brain 17. Follow the pod at Pixel podcast. We're doing a whole bunch of stuff. Check out our YouTube. You know, you see all of it. We know you guys are watching all that good stuff. Uh, check us out. Spotify, Apple pods, all that good stuff. Um, we are going to talk about airspace at some point. That is something that we need to talk about uh, soon. But stay tuned for that, and we'll talk to you guys soon.